two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. I, I don't know if this is an occurrence that you get, Mark, um, but it seems like often at those like changing of the season type things, like when it's, you know, clearly going from autumn into winter or summer into autumn or whatever. Um, yeah, like I, I get, I think just like a seasonal insomnia kind of a kind of thing where I just have a hard time sleeping. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been going through that. <laughs> I've been going through that this last couple, but it's not, it, it's insomnia, but then it's also paired with when I do finally get to sleep, I have crazy ass dreams. Oh shit. Um, and I had one of those last night and this is like, it's a recurring, I guess, genre of theme of, of dream. Um, not exactly a recurring dream as it's the same one each time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had one where I was back at the high school teaching and just my class was just uh, just like not listening, not doing a thing I said. They were combative. They were like talking back to me and I'm, and I'm like screaming at them in my dream. And I wake up and, I, and I'm like, God, I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> Even though I, that's not any of the experiences I've had. I just had those like stressful like teaching. So like, and I know, granted, it was, yeah, just for like that one kind of student teaching. But do you ever get teaching dreams? Are they are, are they always teaching nightmares? I almost, I guess that's the other thing too. They're almost never like positive teaching dreams. It's like teaching nightmares. <laughs> I get acting nightmares all the time. I had oh, one a couple oh, yeah. weeks ago and oh, yeah. you were just yelling at me because I was supposed oh. to be Heracles. And like, you just kept yelling, where the fuck is your lion head? Where the fuck is your lion head? And I'm like, Josh, like you came, you came to my job. You came to my work. And I'm, I remember this very clearly. I was like trying to like, like unload potatoes and shit. And I'm like throwing these fucking sacks of potatoes. And you're just screaming at me like, we've got curtain in 10 minutes. I'm like, I got to work till two 30, dude. It's nine 45 in the morning. I don't know what you want. You're like, where's your fucking lion head. You're unprofessional. I'm like, Hey, fuck you. You're unprofessional. Go work bananas. You're like, Oh, okay. I'm really sorry. And then I like sat up in bed. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> Go work bananas. <laughs> God, I just love that. I love that because I have also had acting dreams like that. But usually the the director screaming at me is Doc. And I just, (laughs) but I'm tickled that in your dream, like that's me. (laughs) I dream about, I dream about being in our town all mm, the time. I was mm. in our town for all of like five minutes, I think. (laughs) And I still have these weird nightmares where like, you got to go on stage for what? You're in our town. No, I'm fucking not. (laughs) There was one, there was one, uh, yeah, a really vivid one I had was like, it was, it was like an alumni thing. Like, it's like, all right, Adam state graduates in the theater department, come back over here and Hey, we'll put on a little play. I'm like, Oh, this will be great. Like, Oh, cool. Just got my script like two minutes ago. And then, yeah, like there's doc screaming at me. Straighter, get on the stage. Why don't you have your lines memorized? It's like I, I was just handed this thing. I don't even know what we're doing. 
Uh, but yeah, and, and then there's like a full audience there, and like everybody's pissed off, like, oh, god damn it, Josh, ruining it again. I'm just like, I just. So yeah, those are also super, super stressful. I don't even know what I did. <laughs> I can't be off book. You just gave me this. <laughs> what's oh, what's god. my so, blocking? I don't. Yeah, um, blocking. Everyone's like, push. I don't know my entrances. What are you doing? I'm going to work salads. I don't know what my blocking is, but I need to work salads. <laughs> oh, shit. Ego Lab is here. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Get those fucking drains cleaned. <laughs> no. Lights at five. Thank you, five. Okay, Thank here we go. Five. Thank you, five. Yeah. But so, so yeah, hope the good thing, though, at least in my case, is, yeah, those seasonal insomnia kind of stretches, they tend to pass pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, I just got, I'll I'll just get over that hump somehow. Um, (laughs) but you know what I do find helpful to, you know, kind of wind myself, my, to, to wind my brain down, not off, go to sleep is get out the old smartphone and either put on like an audio book with a sleep timer or I'll put on a podcast and man, if you want a podcast that'll keep you up all night. Because it's fascinating and riveting and definitely not boring. It's it's the Two Wizards podcast, and that's this. <laughs> and uh, welcome, everybody. Great to have you joining us once again on this fine, whatever day it is you're listening to us. Uh, but uh, I'm Josh, and I am a wizard. And I'm Mark, and I don't remember my lines. <laughs> But I'm 80% sure that I am a wizard, either podcast-based or produce-based. And yeah, here we are. Welcome back to the Two Wizards podcast once again in the very, very merry month of April. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking, we're kind of like continuing our theme of uh, hoaxes. Like, I hope you guys enjoyed our two-parter super special crossover episode with Johnny from Dangle Podcast. And uh, yeah. yeah, here we are now. And I am excited yeah, we- for it. It's not not that I don't love the the three-way just orgy of sound that was you, me, and Johnny together, but goddamn, right. baby, I am so glad to have it just be you and me again. Yes, it, it, it is a, it, it's a exponential uh, increase in technical difficulties happening and timing schedules and things like that. And, and I guess we can sort of like show this a little bit behind the curtain. Um, yeah, we had to record part two like three times was that it yeah 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 we did (laughs) we we... did like the part two on the initial night that we recorded part one and then i went to edit part two and realized that johnny had cut his somehow his feed just cut the last 20 minutes of the conversation off so then we tried again that next sunday night and again technical difficulties on johnny's end it just his computer went crazy stopped and then yeah. finally, like at the zero hour on Monday, we, 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 we got it. Third time was a charm, but at least, at least now you and I, we're, we know what we're about. Yeah. Yeah. We, and, and, and it fewer is. moving and parts is yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah. Fewer moving parts, less complexity, fewer things that are prone to like break or stop working suddenly. So, so yes, it is, it is nice to sort of have a return to basics, I guess, I guess sort of a thing. Uh, yes. And I, I guess along with that too, I guess we can go into what is in our wizards tankers this this time around. Uh, and yeah, I'm still continuing my, uh, but I'm sticking with my hard seltzer thing and just going to, I think one of the earliest ones, one of the, the like one that like started the whole kind of thing. Um, I have a white claw, ruby grapefruit, and uh, yeah, 
that's what I'm that's what I'm starting with at least. Okay, right on. Um, so they're marking down beer like crazy at work. And like Ooh. listeners, you may remember when, like months ago, and I talked about like the turtle double IPA, the solarized yuzu out of Odell Brewing. And um, god damn it, if I wasn't derping around in the back room and saw this giant pyramid of markdown twelve packs with huh? what's that, Josh? You're goddamn right. Solarized Yuzu double IPA. So I bought <laughs> I bought forty-five dollars worth of beer so that I could get nine cans of beer that I enjoy. Right, yeah. And that's a Which, long way to go for a short drink of Josh tonight in my wizard's tankard is a solarized Yuzu IPA with the turtle on it, because I like turtles. I like turtles. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that. And you bought $45 worth of marked down beer. Yes. On top. Of, so, yeah, that's. Oh, yeah, I'm they're like 22 imagining. bucks a pack, either or like, you know, right. originally. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just I, seeing like, just like wall of. Uh, yeah, these 12 packs that are standing. But then I have, I also have nine cans of, um, uh, Sippin' Pretty IPA. <laughs> and it's not good at all. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to drink these, but yeah, whatever, I, it's fine. We could get some sort of like barter system back in place, right? Yeah, that that's it. Like, cause like the, won't the farmer's market be starting up sometime kind of soon? I don't know. Just like take those somewhere and be like, oh no, I'm just selling uh origami here's all my like and every origami you buy you get a can of beer (laughs) for for free it's a promotional thing and then yeah you'll be you'll be sitting pretty after that (laughs) uh but at any rate so yeah i guess here's here's on you buddy cheers to you good buddy Mm. man to quote luann platter it tastes like turtles. <laughs> Fuck, that was a Bobby Hill line. Son of a bitch. Either oh, way, it yeah, doesn't matter. It worked. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's close enough. How's yours? And and yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a ruby grapefruit uh, white claw. Oh. Which because I I remember that like because it was it was like three years ago something like that three three or four years ago when like white claw was like first. Yeah, for making it it splash something like that, and, and and again I was like, this is the dumbest thing. I was like, man, whatever. Um, but then like now I get it. Now I get it. It's like okay, sure. You're if you're like day drinking or doing something like that, and yeah, that's fine. They're good that's for choring. Like um, you can yes. do, you can like do dishes and crush one. You can vacuum and crush one. You can like sweep all the floors and clean the bathrooms and crush one. And then like. An hour later, you had three drinks, but you don't feel bad. And you're like, oh, wow, I've been super productive, but I've been, like, rewarding my, like, the positive reinforcement of, you know, mm-hmm. wash a dish, take a sip. Wash a dish, take a sip. And, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Wait, and, and even going all the way back to, um, wasn't it our Pokemon Loose Rose? Yeah, like a year where, ago. Where we, where we drank... Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, and and I had all the kitty paw, <laughs> uh, hard seltzers from one of the oh, who was that? Was that Seventh Son? I think it was Seventh yeah. Son brewing here, um, and it is. It's like as I distinctly remember. Like, granted, maybe those were maybe those were a little stronger, but I was like super hammered, but yet hydrated, <laughs> and 
oddly refreshed. So, <laughs> so yeah, they have a time and a place, and I'm glad they found their their uh, niche. Yeah. So. You know what? I, if nothing else, if the last like two years of two wizards has been like a total wash, at least I can say, man, mm-hmm. like, goddamn, I. I have developed a new love of uh, hard seltzers, so we got that going for us. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, got that going for us. So, um, yeah, and and again, like sort of pushing our boundaries, trying different things, and finding things that work, and finding things that don't work, and finding things that you're willing to, yeah, pay forty five dollars to get nine of, <laughs> and then, uh, what do I do with the rest of this garbage? I don't know. <laughs> it's not a fucking uh, a Ralston Creek grapefruit rattler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Yeah. Oh god, I member. I'm mem- I member. But we're not membering, um, but Josh. Yeah, so what are we talking about tonight? We 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 aren't membering. So we are continuing this month's theme of yeah, like hoaxes, April Fool cuz that's what started all off, right? April Fools, fake cryptid fake cryptids fake real pro wrestling all that stuff and so um i yeah i prepared a whole bunch of things and this could honestly i know we say this about almost every topic but this one truly could and i'm sure it is like its own complete full-off um podcast um so yeah if ever we tire of the two wizards thing we could just like steer into this and have (laughs) years and years of content um but Today we are discussing just a few, just a drop in the ocean of academic hoaxes, uh, fake fake papers, forged data, fraudulent experiments, um, sometimes uh, innocently, uh, not knowingly, sometimes being the frauded, sometimes being the frauder, the more uh, intentional nasty stuff because of fame or money or drugs or sex i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> in the wide world of academia someone yeah published a bogus paper uh to get laid oh uh, josh <laughs> your study of the war on troy was so sexy do me now and you're like oh i can it was all a lie it was all a lie josh just tell me more about your p-value it's like oh well uh I'm not really a statistician, but I more do qualitative than quantitative research. But <laughs> but so it is. So we are. We're going to talk. We're, we're going to do some, some of the highlights, or I guess all of these are technically low lights. Okay. Of yeah, fake fake academic fakes research, uh, hoax papers, all that, all that okay. kind of stuff. Um, and so yes, this is th- th- this is across. Just about every discipline, no one field of research, field of study is immune. Even if you're thinking, even if you're thinking like, oh, well, like math, like math is just, I mean, that's just the numbers. How can you fake something with math? Oh, oh believe me, people have, people have done that. Um, and so, yeah, there's a few that we'll get into, a few we'll just kind of skim through. Um, and then maybe even some of these hoax papers we we won't read the full thing, but we'll read. Mark and I will like read the read the abstract, the little Hell summary yeah. at the beginning, just to oh god, they're so bad but so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I guess as sort of like a way to start, because um, because okay yeah, so I'm I'm currently in grad school 
trying to finish up here. Um, I've taken, so I, I had one mandatory research methods class um, uh, in the theater department. And then uh, I, I took another one in the arts administration, education and policy department. I took their qualitative research methods class, which was super fascinating. Um, but it is like in both of those classes, they were very much like, okay, whatever it is you're trying to research, whatever you're outlining, you know, here's kind of like general framework stuff. Here's how to go about things. Here's how to draft up things. And then of course, like the ethical parts of don't fake data. If you're interviewing people or if you, especially if you're working with like human participants or test subjects, um, there's this whole other process called the, um, uh, internal review board, the IRB that you have to go through. And, and yeah, and so this was like drilled into my head multiple times. Like research, it, research is a big thing. We're here at this like enormous research centered institution. Um, so yeah, do, like do this right and don't go, don't go making yeah. up stuff. Um, and then, but, and, and, and at the same time, Mark, like as we've talked about, like, You've also presented at academic conferences and, and you've done field work and research. And so I, I, maybe if there's anything in your mind that's kind of sticking out about like we were working on this paper as we were collecting data, there were certain protocols we had to go through. What, what's your kind of experience with like the, the, the rigor that should go into any sort of like knowledge generation or yeah, research that kind of stuff. So I think maybe I've talked before about like I, I wrote one or so. Okay. I was on a three-person team, and for our um, geomorphology final, we had to write a paper. But, like, our professor liked it so much that he had us take it to um, an American Association of Geographers conference in Chicago. He's like, look. But I remember the biggest hang-up we had was for um, – so it's called QFL, uh, Quartz Lithic Feldspar, or Quartz Feldspar mm. Lithic Data. And what it is is um, sunlight will penetrate – or if sunlight hits the ground – uh, certain types of, or, okay, so how do you do this? Sorry. It's been, it's been a fucking hot minute since I had to explain QLF. Um, <laughs> it's okay. So, uh, sun shines down, uh, sunlight hits the surface of the dirt. Um, quartz crystals and, uh, feldspar crystals can, they, they don't, they don't hold sunlight. That's not the right way to talk about it, but like mm -hmm. you can take core samples and, if this core sample has seen sunlight, so you go down like six feet or whatever, and you can send it in to be tested and it'll tell you like in the last, like what the last time that this core sample saw sunlight data or like saw like sunlight radiation. Yeah. It's insanely expensive to get this tested. Like, especially at an undergrad level, like if we were at like CU Boulder, this would have been like a $20 fix, but we weren't cause we're, you know, broke ass Alamosa. Right, yeah. So we had to send this deal in. It took like three weeks. I think we sent them like 10 core samples and it ended up costing like something gross, something like $6,000 all for like oh a single piece of paper that said, Oh yeah. Course six and seven showed, you know, the last time that it was exposed to the sun, the solar radiation, like 10,000 years ago. And it's cool. Cause you can like, you can actively see like when the shit in the ground saw the sun, but then it got covered yeah. over by stuff and it gives you a snapshot. But like, yeah. this is something that was crucial to our data. Cause we were talking about like a uh, glacial deposition in the Valley based off of like river flow and stuff. 
And in the valley, the last mm. glacial maximum was 12,000 years ago. And we proved that this one little section of the Rio Grande, its glacial maximum was like, I want to say 8,000 years ago. And it's just, it's dumb. It's one little section of ground where the river was at one point, And then a glacier came through and fucked it all up. But we proved that, oh yeah, no, this was 8,000 years ago that this happened. So like most, so the other glaciers around it had melted, but this little bit was still there. And it was a really cool thing. But at the same time, it was so like nitpicky and like, yeah, but like, that's it. It's science. So you need to be nitpicky as you can. But like at the Mm -hmm. same time, like, oh my God, can we just like, I, I uncovered a rock. I, I've talked before about how I had to present at this conference and like, I'm not really a good geologist. I love geology, like as a side field, like I'll, I'll, I'll be that dude at the bar. Like, you know, I'm married to theater, but like I'm at the bar and I see geology. I'm like, yo, let me buy you a drink. And like, maybe we kind of yeah. like go slam dance <laughs> on the dance floor and maybe we go do hand stuff in geology's car. But like, <laughs> <laughs> they brought me along because geologists are not a yeah. stout people. And I just had a spud bar and I was breaking up these like rocks that got to positive like glaciers and shit. So trying to explain <laughs> this at an academic conference setting and people are like, Oh, so you're just like the Mongo of this team. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> but here's my quartz feldspar lithic yeah. data. So shut up. Like, yeah, right. Right. Well, but that's okay. So, so there was, there was like, certain like procedures and like a chain of command that's like yes there was this this team of like three people but you had your advisor who you you had your faculty advisor and then go through and like get this test vetted by another sort of authority or credential and then you go present it at a conference and um ostensibly people in attendance at the at that conference can listen to your data and ask questions and so, so that's in general right. Like that's kind of the that's the process. Yeah, typically. Right. Also, to be and then, to be a hundred percent transparent oh, yeah. here, we also almost got super arrested because we we're on BLM land, and they couldn't figure out why we we're huh? digging down six feet straight into like this weird like riverbed plateau. And so, oh, like, no. this is like the middle of October when we're doing this. So, this is listeners. This is like the very middle of deer and elk season in Colorado. And there's these three, mm. like, just like you know, college students just digging the shit out of this like <laughs> plane. And this guy, so like, three forest rangers ended up rolling up on us, and like, mm. they had us like cuffed and everything. And we're like, no, 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 our advisor, and like. One of them had the wherewithal, like, to call the college and be like, do you have students out here? And apparently, at the time, my advisor, Rob Benson, who's now passed, pours them out. But, mm, like, he yeah, was buddies yeah. with the whatever, what is that, uh, Mineral County, like, mm. the, I don't know, I don't know what you call with him. The like, dudes. not the game warden, but, like, the head of the game wardens. And, like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 45 minutes of like because we're clearly up to no good it's like oh (laughs) no they're fine they're fine let them go it's all good okay we're good here and we're just like oh god yeah (laughs) yeah fucking outlaw geomorphology man like (laughs) which that's a that's a comic book series that i want to (laughs) see yeah like renegade geologists (laughs) But God damn it, I'm telling their... you, this river's thaw wag was 20 meters that way. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, like, but that's just it, though, right? They, they, like, they're, like, a force for good. They're repatriating. Like, wait, this jade was smuggled out of China. We have to return it. (laughs) It's the ethical thing. It belongs in a museum. You you know, like, yeah, that that sort of a thing. (laughs) It Um, doesn't belong in the British Museum. Get that marble back to Greece. (laughs) Right. Outlaw geomorphologists. (laughs) I uh, coming to Netflix, twenty twenty three. We'll give anybody um, a show. We'll give anybody a show. Okay, but yes. Yeah, so that's that's basically what academia and everything should. That's how it should go, right? Like everything's on the up and up. You've you've shown your work. You've and, and, and yeah, and that's what it is. But of course, wouldn't you know it, Mark? Sometimes that's just sometimes that's just not what happens. Yeah, for any, and again, it's for any number of reasons. It could be there's certain pressure, like, oh, I have to try and get tenure. And in order to do that, right, there's this whole thing of, like, publish or perish in academia. If you aren't getting articles, yeah, like, if, if you aren't getting articles accepted, if you aren't writing books, if you're not writing chapters, if you're not presenting at conferences, then what are you doing here, you bum? You're out on your ass. And so there is, there's that pressure to like, oh God, if I want to keep my job, I I have to run this experiment, but I'm not not getting the results that I want or I predicted or they're inconclusive. So you know what if I just change this decimal place, one space to the left, one space to the right? Like, yeah, who's to say? What if um, I said that I found this weird monkey in the Amazon and it totally proved that Indians descended from this monkey? <laughs> it's fine. It proves my hyper-racist theory of hologenesis. Well, yeah, and yes. So if it's not things like institutional pressures, there's also ideological pressures, uh, certain ideas like, oh, this is my preconceived notion about how the world works and how reality operates. And here's a fossil to prove that. Never mind, it's it's like uh, it's like four different species smashed together in a chimera fossil because we're <laughs> going to talk about some of those. Uh, but look, the Earth is 6,000 years old. <laughs> I've proven it conclusively. Yeah, carbon radiation dating, uh that's just a tool of the devil. Um <laughs> so uh goddamn right and, it is. And, but then also uh and then also things like even just more I guess worldly concerns too, right? Like even just sometimes just for cold hard cash. Um or it and I don't know if that's like an arrogance or a hubris like oh, I can get away with this. Because I'm the only person in charge of this collection, or I control all the books, so I can kind of cover my tracks. Um, uh, so, so yes, we're we're, we're going to talk about some of those, some of those things. But then also, there are there are individuals who undertake hoaxes, or um, uh, yeah, write false papers, and I think the term for them would be maybe like gray hat academic frauds, because right, like in the old westerns. The, the good boy cowboys wore white hats and the bad boy cowboys wore black hats. And then there's the gray. So maybe it's like, no, I'm, I'm writing this clearly made up paper that is actual, that it's nonsense. But I'm writing it to expose, to say like, hey, if I was able to get this published and like nobody raised any red flags and, and I very intentionally like falsify, like it, it even it's going beyond falsifying data. I just made shit up. But I use the right buzzwords and jargon mm-hmm. 
um, and I still got that published, we got a problem here. Um, so, so, so yeah, we're, we're going to talk about all of those. And like I said, this one, this one could be a whole other thing, but we're, we're going to try to keep it short. So I guess, oh man, just where to start, where to start. Well, I think maybe one of the places to start is perhaps one of the best listeners like Mark has shared with you how he's gone into some dark places doing research for these episodes. Uh, and boy, howdy, just the more examples I came up with and writing them in my Word document, just the angrier and angrier I got. Um, especially as someone in academia. But um, okay, so here's, so here's, I think, a pretty good one, a good sort of general place to start. Um, and this, uh, this was, was a write-up by one Sid Perkins back in uh, April 2001. And there was a new species of dinosaur uh, that was found in a fossil out in China. And so for, for a minute, I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. This is great. A new discovery. Um, but again, with just a little bit of looking, things did not, things took a turn for the worse and then took a turn for like the really worse. So, so here's, here's this uh, little article. I'll, I'll read some of the, some of the highlights here. So when scientists unveiled Archaeoraptor Liaoningensis at a National Geographic Society press conference in October 1999. Mm. Some researchers hailed the fossil as a missing link between birds and dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those things. It was like, it was like, oh, hey, cool. Here's one of these like you, quote unquote. It, but you got to find speeches. it. Like the first one to find this missing link is going to be that hot shit. Like because the right. fossil yeah. record is incomplete. I'm sorry. I I'm getting geology. I'm sorry. You you keep going. I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. well, no, sorry. It, no, no. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Um, uh, but the article continues the very mixture of features that made the fossil e evolutionarily interesting, the flight worthy feathers and advanced wing structure of birds and a tail like that of a small theropod dinosaur also caused some scientists to doubt its authenticity. And wouldn't you know it, those naysayers, those doubting Thomases, those skeptics, they were right. Uh, the article continues, further research revealed that the fossil, which had been smuggled out of China, was a fake pierced, uh, pieced together from different dinosaurs. Mm. And so, and, and and I believe, yeah, when we were talking about uh, either like the Cardiff giant or, um, or uh, uh, the, um, oh God. Well, so Piltdown Man was supposed to be that Piltdown marker Man. fossil, the missing link. And then Deloitte's ape was yes. also supposed to denote that missing yes. link. And so, and so, and so, yeah, and so this, uh, this, when, when a animal species is presented, but it's actually, yeah, made up of like a bunch of different species put together, that's the, the, the term for that is, is, is it's called a chimera fossil. Cause again, going back to Greek mythology, the chimera was like part lion, part goat, part snake or dragon thing. So it's literally just like different spe species smooshed together. And presented like, oh yeah, this is this is a brand new thing that we found. Um, and so scientists who who conducted detailed X-rays of this Archaeoraptor Leoningensis, uh, Leoningensis, sorry, they concluded that the bones of up to five different animals were cobbled together. Oh. And this is the part that's also infuriating to me. The uh, the specimens are from at least two species that are brand new to science anyway. Here were two brand new species that we didn't even have. 
but they got like bashed together to form this fake one. Yeah. And it drives me. So it's like you morons, you, you, you blow it up. You blow it up. Damn you all. (laughs) There's me like raging on like a beach somewhere (laughs) and some like bikini clad, uh, feral human on, on a horse is looking up. And yeah, there's a statue of these like put together fossils. It's like you had two, you had two legitimate, never before discovered species fossils. Yeah, and you destroyed those to like make this fake one. You idiots. Yeah, it's. But you know, too, like I can almost forgive it because way, way, way back when in the 1800s, when we as like species got collectively horned up for paleontology. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't know what dinosaurs were. We had ideas and shit. But, um, so, like, mm-hmm. up in Montana, there's just, like, there's fossil fields. It's just a mass extinction, like, yeah, it's just this mm-hmm. giant event die-off. And there's all this shit there. And initially, before we, like, really took the time to stop and look at what it was, um, there was, I can't, I can't tell you their names. And I'm really sorry about this, but there's two paleontologists in the area who were competing. They were discovering yeah. something like 30 new species a week or some dumb shit. And really, they were finding like one or two. They they were finding new dinosaurs. Um, I want to say the most complete. One of the first. I, I want to say it was a hadrosaur. One of the most complete first hadrosaur skeletons that we found came out of these fossil beds. But like mm. it came out of like one guy's camp. And he said that it was two parts of two different dinosaurs. So like. I'm almost willing to forgive the idea that no, this chimera fossil is really just the missing link of all this. And it's like, it's not, you're just, you're bad at reconstructing skeletons, but like go look at like yeah. early reconstructions of dinosaur fossils. Like, um, Iguanodon mm-hmm. is a really, really good one. Yeah. And like they put its head on its tail and they're like, yes, this yeah. is another of the sauropods, a cousin of the brontosaurus. It's like, no, it's fucking not. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no way that... Th- and yeah, we have, like, the gift of hindsight. And, um, you know, Bob... What is, Bob ba- Backer, I think, is his name. The cool dude from... Dra- mm. He's got the hat. I can't think of his name offhand. I'm, yeah. God, Yuzu IPA is too strong for me already. Already calling him. <laughs> but, like, we, we, we know better now, but... Oh God, it's, it's fine. It's a hangover of a bygone age, I guess. I don't know. Right. Well, and, and I think part of it too is especially, uh, I, I, I say this not at all in, uh, with any in sort of intention of like nationalism or something like that, but I think it's a lot of it too. It's like maybe the more up and coming countries wanting to like, oh, hey, whatever your United States in your England, in your Russia, like we we are just as capable of like producing good researchers and solid finds. Look at what we found. I think sometimes that kind of comes to play too. Oh yeah, there's and a definite yeah, like, jealousy in it. Like yeah, and or not like, jealousy. Yeah, like China it's not the, jealousy, but it's yeah, it's academic yeah, pissing like contest. Envy, I guess yeah. national academic pissing right. contest. Right, right, right. I, I mean, that's like what fueled the whole space race, you know, and. Uh, yeah. And yeah, China in the late 90s or early 2000s, it was one of those. It was one of those like scrapping and trying to like prove itself to, to the rest of the world. And so um, and so, yeah, this this uh, fossil, this, this fake fossil 
uh, it was determined that the forgers assembled more than 88 different pieces of rock, most containing bones, atop an unbroken slab of shale, says uh, Timothy Rowe, a vertebrate paleontologist at the University of Texas at Austin, at least when this was written. Hmm. So it was. They, they took no fewer than 88 pieces of rock, kind of like Legoed or jigsawed them on top of this uh, uh, shale, and then that was it. And it could be, it could be, uh, yeah, just a an innocent. Hey, we're just trying to reconstruct this thing as best we can. I I, I can see that, but uh, but and and maybe it shouldn't be up to me to to make that decision because yeah, I'm I'm not a geologist nor a paleontologist <laughs> or anything like that. It's unclear whether the tail and the hind legs of the fossil came from the same animal or even from the same species. Uh, Rowe continues. Uh, however. Uh, Analysis shows that the fake fossil's tail came from Microraptor Zhaoyanus, a small bipedal dinosaur first described by Chinese scientists in um, uh, the December 7th, 2000 issue of Nature, Journal Nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here it is. The, the forgery's body and wings came from an ancient species of bird whose description hasn't yet been published. So it seems like it. So that's where the two... These sound like these are two new species that we don't know about. And then, yeah, uh, uh, sadly, parts of at least two significant new specimens were combined in favor of the higher commercial value of the forgery, and both were nearly lost to science, says Rowe and his colleagues in the March 29th issue of Nature. Using computerized x-ray scans and other forensic techniques to evaluate fossils may become an important part of paleontology back in the year 2000. (laughs) Uh, such independent analyses would likely be important to museums and commercial collectors who pay top dollar for fossils, he notes. And I know that that it's not exactly the same as like academic f- forgeries or frauds, but yeah, like private fossil collectors, uh, I know that strikes mm. um, a real sore spot for you, oh, baby. Mark, too. So, yeah. <laughs> Fuck Which Nick again, but Cage. that also goes into the we thing, We can just right? say it once. Yeah. I said it before, I'll say it again. Fuck Nicolas Cage. You can't own a T-Rex, you <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> and so maybe that's part of it because i could even understand that too right oh hey we'll cobble this thing together and sell it to some investor um because wasn't that with the um the the fiji merman man yeah fiji it? mermaid uh jackalope yeah hmm. like all yeah it's just yeah, like gaff taxidermy 2.0 like oh yeah mm-hmm. we jam these bones and other bones fuck you you'll buy it you're an investor like <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, You're in China and you well, see this uh, weird, like, somebody grafted, like, a, a human, like, up, upper torso onto, like, a horse body. It's like, oh, yeah, check it out. This is a Chinese centaur. Son of a bitch. Like, yeah. Right. Totally. You, you, well, as a species, we're kind of dumb to begin with. Yeah. 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 And so, well, and, and maybe it's, it's, I, th- I think that's a good transition into this next topic. Okay, cool. Um, but but yeah, so so it is. It's a lot of yeah, especially and, and I know this is even kind of outside of the academic world. But yeah, just like looting of artifacts and fossils and selling them to private collectors or even selling them to like other research um, institutions. Like like that's another that's a whole other thing. Um, and this is a the, I I don't feel like I have to be super careful or walk on eggshells. Uh, but this is one that rocked the 
classics community uh, very very recently. Okay. Um, and and it starts with an individual named Dirk Obink. And Dirk Obink was a classicist um, and uh, specifically a papyrologist. And as you might imagine, papyrologist focuses on papyri and papyruses and like, and it's a whole, I, I again, like I, I wouldn't even say that I've dipped a toe. I've like dipped a toenail into papyrology. It's goddamn cool. Yeah. Like, and, and I've mentioned in other episodes of uh, the Two Wizards podcast, right? Like one of my... Uh, professors got to hold a scrap of papyrus that had this like lost Sophocles play on it. And because it was the sixties, nobody gave a shit. Like he just like <laughs> took it outside and like read it in the sunlight. Yeah. But he returned it. He returned it afterwards. His like conscious. He, and he admitted like for a hot minute, my conscious was like, you know, just like tuck this in your book. Nobody will know. Um, but, but he had his mama raised him right, I guess. And so he returned <laughs> it back to the library. Um, and I don't want to speculate anymore about Dirk Obink, but, uh, or how his mama raised him. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so, so he was, uh, he, he was the director of the Imaging Papyri Project at Oxford, uh, from 1998 to 2015. Okay. So... At Oxford University, um, this whole project was to digitize images of papyrus, and 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 yeah, and like and like maintain the collection, maintain the archive of like all these, yeah, like hundreds or thousands of papyri and little scraps and things like that. So, in 2014, uh, Dirk Obink and a couple of his of his colleagues published five. Um, pieces five five papyrus fragments that they finally had the time to like uh, not only translate but also yeah it's kind of like and there's this whole complicated process and it's super super cool um, but these five papyrus fragments contained some poetry by Sappho okay and going and as you'll recall listeners in our love episode Sappho was this she was like the ninth lyric poet of antiquity hugely important in the ancient world almost all of her work is lost though so for for new poems to be discovered and published and like verified was a huge goddamn deal and everybody lost their shit and rightly so like and you should yeah again like yeah and right and, and, and so yeah like papers were being written and conferences were being organized and all this stuff all this good uh, books entire books um and the and the biggest most um uh spectacular uh 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 result of, of all this was a mostly complete poem that is called the brothers poem oh, God. but but it was it was a huge goddamn deal it was a huge goddamn deal but then it also fairly quickly came out to like wait a sec we have we have some questions about this cuz one of the big things especially in the classics world for any sort of artifact, for any sort of material, um, is its provenance, which is basically where did it come from? Mm-hmm. What's the like chain of custody? Okay, it, this this thing is currently housed in a museum, 
and we can trace it, okay, because the museum bought it from this private collector who purchased it from this guy who purchased it from over here. And you really want to have the provenance of whatever thing, like cut and dry, black and white, really laid out, specifically because of like looting and smuggling and uh, yeah, like, or, or just like stealing things. Like long story short, you, you want to make sure that this thing isn't stolen, like everything's on the up and up. Yeah, right. When some questions were being raised about the provenance of these Sappho fragments, like nobody was doubting that they were like forgeries or faked, or at least not necessarily, but some people were like, okay, well, where did we get these? And uh, uh, reading off here, so the initial version of Obink's article announcing the discovery said that they were in a private collection, but contains no discussion of its ownership or its origin and anything like that. And so people were already like, okay, well, just just tell us, man. Just like be transparent. Like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. And then that article was retracted, was taken down. Uh-oh. Because uh, that's um, how you silence your critics by retracting your article. Yeah. Delete those tweets, delete those posts. That'll shut your critics up. Tweets. Exactly. And so, uh, and that's the other thing too, right? If there's not any transparency, well, then some speculation comes around. Um, In an article uh, in the British Sunday Times, uh, Bettany Hughes, who she herself is is another amazing classicist, she reported that the papyrus was originally owned by a German officer. Ooh, okay. And you can kind of put two and two together about what it might mean if a German officer owned this, potentially may have owned this piece of um, ancient Greek. It's it's only positive and has nothing to do with racism, right, Josh? Yeah, not 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 at all with mean Mister Mustache. Hooray! Um, yeah. I knew it. <laughs> I'm so glad we don't hate the Germans. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then Obink wrote a wrote in response to that, saying that that's a complete fabrication. It's fantasy. Um, uh, it, it just just a just a misunderstanding. Um, but what it really is is like no. Here's and again, it just gets so complicated. So one of oh man, and again, it's hard for me to even like keep this keep this straight. <laughs> a, a different individual, one C. Michael Sampson, um, identifies the German officer mented, uh, who was mentioned as one uh, Reiner uh, Kriedel, and argues that this initial story was fabricated to cover for defects in the papyrus's true provenance. So maybe the German officer was just a ruse because it could be something even worse. I don't know what would be worse than that, but... Um... So he says, so that was all in 2014. In 2015, Obing presented a second account of the Providence in a paper delivered to the Society for Classical Studies. Okay, everybody, here's the real story now. (laughs) He claimed that the papyrus derived from the collection of one David Moore Robinson, who had purchased it in 1954 from an Egyptian dealer, Sultan uh, Maguid Sameda, and on his deathbed, left it to the Mississippi, to the University of Mississippi Library. Um, part of Robinson Collection was offered for sale through Christie's uh, Auction House in 2011. 
And Obink says, like, okay, no, that's that's where we got it. We got it from this Christie's sale after getting it from uh, David Moore Robinson, who got it from Sultan Mag- Magagud Samida. Mm. Uh, however, and again, this is it, man. Like, there's no better disinfectant than sunlight. One Dorothy King observed that the Christie's description of the papyri in their 2011 sale did not match what is known uh, of this papyrus that Obink has authored. Because, like, they measure it and they take pictures. They're like, okay, but yeah, none of the ones that Christie sold match what you described, like, physically. Um, and yeah, the presence of the papyri in the 2011 sale is unverifiable, according to Samson. Uh, and so, yeah, there's no additional supporting documentation. And the only like evidence for this is what Dirk Obink says. <laughs> so it, it's, it's just bad. It's just bad. Yeah. Uh, I also want you to note that. So the Christie sale in 2011, um, Mark, did you kind of remember any other kind of world events that happened in the summer? Or it, it, hold on, in in the year uh, twenty eleven, specifically in the springtime, and maybe in the Arab <laughs> Middle East world. Oh, wasn't that when they killed uh, Gaddafi? Well, and like the whole like like Arab the whole Ar- yeah I, okay that's yeah that's being that's me being reductivist yeah. about it like yeah like the whole like Arab yeah. Spring Revolution like. Several countries yeah. overthrew their dictator. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just a bunch of... And so... Oh, man, wouldn't this be awful if... Yeah, during all that confusion, during the Arab Spring of 2011, um, maybe that's maybe that's when this papyrus came out of Egypt somewhere, and we just don't know. <laughs> but God damn it, so, like, okay. So, like, not to devil's advocate, but, like, okay, let's just mm-hmm. say that, like... You, Josh, are a young revolutionary in, um, what, wh- wherever in, in, in insert Arab Spring affected town, right? And you mm-hmm. like rush mm-hmm. the government plaza, but like y- you go down to the archives because like you know those those fucking nerds are hiding down there, and you're like, wait a minute, my God, this is Rosetta Stone two, and it proves that everything <laughs> Rosetta Stone number one said was fake. Like I. Maybe that's my fault. Maybe I just want to believe so fucking bad, but I don't know. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and this is one of the rare moments where, yeah, Mark is the more optimistic glass half full. (laughs) No, these people are just trying to make a better lives for themselves. And then Josh is the more cynical, like, no, these motherfuckers, they're just, (laughs) but, 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 and, and that's really the most frustrating thing is like, we don't know. And we probably probably won't really know we probably won't really know what's going on and and also so if that was the only kind of questionable turn of events during obink's tenure uh as this yeah like head papyrologist with oxford you know hey you know fool me once shame on you fool me twice kind of thing this second story also with dirk obink has perhaps the most unlikely of heroes the most unlikely of protagonists okay so wait we get we get two inclusions of we this get, like dickhead we get a double dirk oh boy if you will oh boy double-headed <laughs> double dirk all right here we go because mark not only were yeah like 
and 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 like literary poems and plays and things like that. Not not only were those written on papyri, but also more mundane, like tax records and inventories were written on papyri. Yeah. Um, would you have a guess? Any other kind of important things that would be written on papyri? You know, circa 100 BC to BCE to 100 CE. Any other guesses of like big important documents? that would be written on papyrus. Okay, so yeah, just like 100 to 100. Um, Well, you know, Josh, today's Easter. Maybe somebody talked about this dude yeah. named Jesus. Yeah, maybe something about And he's never fucking mentioned outside of the Bible, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, maybe Caesar so saw yeah, like, some comets again. I don't I don't know, because we, we talked before about how, like, Caesar saw, like, comets and took him as, like, yeah, signs true. from the divine yeah. all the time. I, I don't know. What what you got, buddy? Uh, yeah, Caesar was going to become a food blogger, and so he was writing down his, <laughs> his, his recipes. Uh, no, of course, these would be, yes, things related to the Bible and specifically the four testaments. Yeah, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, But you also rightly point out, we are recording this on Easter. I, I didn't put two and two together until just now. Uh, but yes, so lots of, yeah, like biblical scholars are also super interested in papyri because that's some of the primary sources uh, for, for this time too. And... Yes, included with all the Greek and Roman stuff is a lot of the biblical stuff. And um, in August 2016, so after the whole Sappho kerfuffle, um, uh, in August 2016, the Egypt Exploration Society uh, decided not to reappoint Obink, a general editor of the Oxyrhynchus Papyri series stating that this was, quote, because of unsatisfactory discharge of his editorial duties, but also because of concerns, which he did not allay, about his alleged involvement in the marketing of ancient texts. Wait, he said this was part of the, like, the Oxyrhynchus? Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like the two big ones in the, uh, in 1952 were the Oxyrhynchus papyri finds, and then this other kind of collection that's called the Bodmer, um, papyri so just like vast amounts of papyri and yet obink one of his duties was again like collecting and collating and archiving all this stuff mm-hmm. so obink is yeah like not renewed um from uh from from the egypt exploration society in may 2018 obink and daniela colomo published the papyrus fragment um p oxyrhynchus uh 5345 Okay. So yes, the 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 oxy part of the oxyrhynchus papyrus, specifically number five thousand three hundred forty-five, um, and this fragment contained portions of six verses from the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Again, funnily enough, <laughs> which I I am like okay, so like just yeah. going with our timeline here, I'm like ninety percent sure the Gospel of Mark was written. A hundred years after Jesus was supposed to have said to existed, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me let me see here. Double check here. Because so I know, like Peter's most, was like seventy something years after the fact. Like yeah. So most the, this is just off the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Most scholars date date Mark to sixty six to seventy four uh, CE. So maybe like roughly. Oh, so that's only like 40, 40 years. years then. Okay. 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 Yeah, my yeah. bad. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Like 30, 40 years. Oh, no, it's all good. 
It's all good. Um, and so, uh, hey, everybody, here's that wacky Dirk Obink with a new papyrus that he's publishing. Um, <laughs> what is what is he up to now? What could it be? Uh, what could it be? Obink and, and uh, Colomo dated it to, to the later 2nd or early 3rd century, but rumors of its content, provenance, and date have been widely discussed since 2012, uh, fueled by an ill-advised claim by one Daniel B. Wallace. So, okay, like, ah, oh, maybe this thing is like a slightly different dating, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, following the publication of this article, making the announcement, the owners of the papyrus fragments released a statement, which is the EES, that Egypt Exploration Society, they released a statement clarif- clarifying both the providence of the fragment and Obing's role in the circumstances of misleading information subsequently emerging on social media. Blame it on social media. And I will. And so here's, yeah, the Egypt Exploration Society coming out and saying like, okay, hold on, wait a sec, we got to We got to clear up. We got to clarify some things here. In again, I hate this. The text in the fragment had only been recognized as belonging from the Gospel of Mark in what year? That's right. You guessed it. 2011. God damn it. In 2011, 2012, the papyrus was in the keeping of Obink, who had shown it to some dude named Scott Carroll then representing the Green Collection, which is, again, another private collection of like rare biblical texts and artifacts, uh, in connection with a proposal that it might be included in the exhibition of biblical papyri uh, at the Vatican. It was not until spring of 2016 that EES realized that the rumored first, quote-unquote, first-century Mark papyrus that uh, was the one and the same as their own uh, P. Oxyrhynchus 53-45, so it's our okay wait a sec you're wanting to like show off this this bit of papyrus uh at the vatican during lent but wait a sec that's you're describing the one that we have yeah just basically long story short in october 2019 uh ees announced that 12 papyrus fragments so a whole bunch of stuff and one parchment fragment were being returned to them by the museum of the bible Oh, Mark. Good. Oh, good. Oh, good. Who, who, who is, who is in charge of the museum of the Bible? Who's like the like purse strings behind the museum of the Bible? I, I don't know. Twenty bucks says it's Ken fucking Ham. It's Hobby Lobby. <laughs> oh fuck you, really? So these, so this is why okay. I say this is okay. the unlikely okay. hero. Okay. Okay. So i can't even i'm so upset i can't even like make a cogent like i know oh my god josh i'm so upset oh my god i know this son of a bitch is like making us like wait we're teaming up with hobby lobby now (laughs) hobby fucking lobby to craft your fucking fake biblical shit fuck you you'll read it you're christian Oh mm-hmm. God! And so, hobby? And so the hobby no. lobby people really okay. They, okay, yeah. sorry. Keep going. I'm sorry. They and they're taking the moral high ground, saying, "Okay, Egypt Exploration Society, we are giving these back to you because there's a lot of shading." So, so yeah, they have the moral high ground here, and dude. I, that's like fucking like <sighs> Big R finding your fucking um Chinese fossil and going. Hey man, you know it's you know y'all can have this one back. We're we're big R. Yeah. We're about the country and digging in the earth and so forth. But y'all can take the dinosaurs back. It's all right. Like, God, oh God. 
Yeah. Dude, so, my head hurts from the stupidity of that one, Josh. Like, Yeah, it is. I'm having is. an aneurysm um, from sheer stupidity. And so, oh, um, so, so, yeah, uh, October 2019, the Museum of the Bible, sponsored by Hobby Lobby, takes the moral high ground, returns these uh, back to the Egypt Exploration Society, because they said, yeah, Dirk Obing sold these to us, and... We don't want anything to do with this, and and that and, and so um, following that, um, Dirk Obink was um, had his access to the collection re- revoked. Thank goodness. Okay, uh, he is under investigation by Oxford University for removing these papyri and texts. Oh, you dirty bastard! Um, taking them out, um, he. You know his uh, his due process. He's he's denied all accusations of wrongdoing and claimed that documents linking him to the sale of the papyrus fragments were forgeries, deliberately intended to damage his reputation and career. Um, he was also suspended from his role. He was a lecturer at Christ Church uh, College in Oxford. Okay. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, EES has since said that um, 120 pieces of papyrus and uh, uh, parchment, all that stuff, have have been dis- discovered to be missing from their collection. So over oh 100 pieces God. that this one dude, it was just him, he had the books, over 120 pieces are gone and can't be accounted for. Oh, my God. But Okay, but okay. Oh, God, that, like, fucking hurts me intrinsically. Okay. Um... Yeah. Okay, like, okay, and... Josh, like, but we, okay, so, like, may, maybe we're not doing this, like, enough justice. Like, this shit is irreplaceable. Like, like, th- right. this is, like, yeah. you can't go yeah. fucking, you can't just go fucking, oh, yeah, I got this Oxyrhynchus number 141. Oh, shit, I spilled coffee yeah. on it. Nah, it's cool. We had, like, six copies of 141. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, and, no, it's it's oh, well, this and, piece and, of shit. Yeah, well, and and I was trying, I was trying to dig more in, into some of these allegations, and I I couldn't quite find enough. But there's also some there there have been some claims also where it's like, oh, here's this, and, and I'm simplifying, right? Like again, if it's just one dude, it's not a lot of oversight, not a lot of you know, well, whatever. If it's something like, oh, um. Well, here in the collection, I have this, you know, piece of papyrus that's two inches by four inches across. Um, rip, 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 tear, tear, tear. Hey, museum, you'll never believe it. I have two pieces of papyrus uh, that are both two inches by oh, two inches God. across. So there's even been some allegations of, yeah, kind of like nickel and diming. Oh, my like, God, that's... I take this one thing and all right. All right. Call to action. How do we stop this cocksucker? Like, so, um, for, so, uh, in June, June last year, June, 2021, the museum of the Bible stated it was suing Dirk Obink for 5 million pounds. Um, 
uh, uh, Hobby Lobby, again, the, the sort of like parent company, alleges that Obink sold fragments of papyrus and ancient objects stolen from an Oxford University collection in seven private sales between 2010 and 2013, worth a total of um, about $7.1 million. And so that's where I was kind of hinting at like, um, yeah, sometimes it's just money. Sometimes it's just money. So... So they're suing him for that much. Um, and then uh, December, just December of last year, um, Chris, oh God, I, and I'm citing this as a source. Okay. Christianity Today reported that a default judgment uh, had been issued against Obink. And so, yeah, this guy completely like torpedoed his career. Good. Um, there's entire... And again, I'm thinking too of you know all the all the buzz, all the excitement that these legit classicists and professors and scholars like. There was an entire book. There was an entire book about the new Sappho. Um, the person who first started teaching me ancient Greek here at OSU, she wrote her dissertation about Sappho and was like referencing um, this this oh this God. brother's poem. Oh. And so like. And so yeah, and so there's it's it it's it started a much needed conversation about yeah like what is the ethics of writing about the ancient world when the provenance of art of of artifacts are in question, mm. right? Like if we if we don't have that clear lineage of how we got this thing today, can we write about it? Should we write about it? Are we in some way or another being complicit in either like smuggling or theft. Uh, so, so it's, it's really, really tricky and yeah. And I just hate it. I hate that it undermines what the university and what research and what, what that is. Cause, cause we don't know now. We don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. That like, so it's, so it's bad. That and, like messes yeah. me up, Josh. I'm like, no, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm right there with I'm you, man. Kinda I'm kind of crestfallen. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. But like, you piece of shit. Like, mm. but you know what? It's not. It's human condition. It's human condition yeah. to lie, and then it's human condition to accept. Just, mm. and, and and you know what? Like anything, anything else. Like it's it's well, so, yeah. It's it, 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 it's it, it's um Democrats are harvesting children for adrena- adrenochrome. It's it's <laughs> Russia isn't invading Ukraine. It's yeah. God, there's so much well, shit, so, and it's just. But like, you can't dispute it from fucking three thousand years ago. You'll read my Oxyrhynchus and you'll fucking enjoy. Oh God, <laughs> I'm sorry. My heart is a little bit broken. I'm I'm kind of horned up. I'm gonna yeah. drink some beers here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, yeah, that, that's a good. No, that's a good. That, well, okay. So and also, you know, lest because uh, again, uh, some somebody once said, you know, like let he is without sin throw the first stone or judge not lest ye be judged. Some some dude said that once upon a time, allegedly. Um, Allegedly, and so so, I will I will come clean, I will come clean, and, and Mark, you can feel free to like maybe there's some skeletons in your closet, uh, but I but I myself, I am guilty of academic misconduct. Okay, um, I have yes I have I have faked uh, papers, 
I have fabricated data. Um, but that's when I was in the fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> you piece of shit. Podcast over. And, and I and I was and so and so yes and so I don't know if this is gonna like yeah like scupper my academic career before it even starts. Comes out Josh Streeter faked a paper in fourth grade. <laughs> All right, calm down, Lisa Simpson. It's okay. <laughs> Right, exactly. But it was so. Yeah, it was fourth grade, um, and it was history fair, and I, it was a huge thing at least for me. Like, because because it was so. See, yeah, there's like science fair, right? But then this was like history fair. It's like no, like across the state of Colorado, like you can write a paper, you can do a little skit, you can blah 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 about some history thing, and and we had to do it. That was our like you know fourth grade yeah. social studies project for that month did, did you is that ringing any bells did, did you ever have to do history fair i mean no but i bounced okay, but, i bounced but, so, so much in me. school like it, it well yeah, yeah true and i truly i truly had an interesting idea and i got super excited about it so yeah my topic what i said i was going to write about was i was going to write a paper i was going to write a paper in fourth grade about the copper age which okay. like, so yeah, you, you think like, you know, like Iron Age, Bronze Age, Stone Age. Well, between the Stone Age and the Bronze Age was a very short-lived period where like all these societies were making tools out of copper. And yeah, you're damn right. In fourth grade, I knew that. I knew that fact. Listeners, if you haven't pieced it together, I, I was, am, and will be just a nerdy fucker. Like, I'm just nerdy. So you're right. Like, what? You're you're a wizard and you're a nerd. So yeah, like the other my eleventh my eleven year old classmates, you know, were talking about uh, oh this NBA or NFL or whatever, and I knew about the Copper Age. That was me, and so I that, that's what I was gonna write my paper on. Everybody else was writing about like trains or whatever, but no, I'm writing my paper about the Copper Age. And so I go to Nielsen Library at Adam State, look around for books on the Copper Age, find nothing. I find no books because mm-hmm. that's even too niche a topic for Adam State, I guess. <laughs> for the collection of Adam State University. We're so shit like, kickers. Oh, shit, this... They're shit kickers yeah. down here, big guy. Like, yeah. So it was. I was like, oh, this paper is due, is due at the end of the week and I can't find any books. And So what do I do? I just, I just bullshit. I just, I just, I wrote my little like bibliography. I made up four books. I made up titles. I made up authors. I made up publication. I made up publishers. I made up the publication dates. I cited them in my like three-page paper that I wrote. Turned it in. <laughs> Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Nobody was the wiser. When was this nine- Nobody wasn't wiser. What was this like ninety ninety nine been... like two thousand like yeah yeah no yeah, the internet wasn't a thing like, like we said it like was 96. like it was like oh yes you're not allowed to cheat but like if you make it but it was, yeah you can't read every book ever teacher i i read this yeah. book from this dude in england oh well okay then that's fine like no one's gonna look no one's gonna check i was even smart enough to like cite one of my quote-unquote sources and like disagree with it i was like well this book says blah 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 but but it seems like all the other books are like I was smart enough to like use a counter example <laughs> in my thing. And so like, you know, for yeah, my fourth grade paper, or whatever, I got I got the like A minus or whatever on my paper. And then like and then all of our entries got uh, 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 shipped over to like the state. And it's like, oh, who's going to 
make it to the next round in the Colorado State History Fair. And of course, mine didn't get picked. And I was glad. I was glad. I was like, okay, yeah, thank, thank God I don't have to continue that charade. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I admit it. I admit it. Um, the I don't know if the statute of limitations has expired on that. Maybe, maybe somebody, <laughs> maybe a judge from yeah that from Colorado History Fair 1996 is is listening to this podcast. Is like this son of a bitch. I'll track him down. <laughs> he will pay for his crimes. I almost <laughs> hope that they are. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so that I'm I'm coming clean. That was my. Uh, academic misconduct and yet here I am in grad school doing doing as as long as we're here yeah I Josh I was a theater major alongside you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that I improvise monologues based off of 4chan posts that I half-heartedly read several times like almost every monologue that I auditioned with I wrote for myself yeah I I, I would do I even got cast in a show after presenting a piece from a play that I called, Oh yeah, well fuck you by Eric Rice. (laughs) And it was literally a guy who talked about sending all, it was on 4chan and this guy like mailed back his girlfriend's letters to her after like she fucked some dude in a bar. (laughs) So you know what? I'm no better than you. I I'm a bastard too. Yeah. Yeah, This ain't two wizards. This is two bastards. (laughs) There's two bastards. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> well, I but but honestly, yeah, like admitting that, I do feel a weight off my chest. It, it's almost as if I've been given a full body massage. <laughs> I feel so much better. <laughs> Give or you a body massage. <laughs> uh, or it could be that I f- finished my white claw and I'm moving on now to a. Oh, actually, I don't think I've had this one. Um, so, okay, so this is my, I guess, call this my cheat day or cheat drink. This is an Angry Orchard hard fruit cider. Um, and it's strawberry. So here we go. Strawberry? <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I have. There it is. Hell yeah. And um, mm. I reached deep into my markdown beer fridge, and I've got a hazer tag, hazy IPA out of Odell Brewing. You know what's funny? I hmm. bitch so much about like hating IPAs, but I just spent fucking forty five dollars <laughs> on literally three twelve packs of IPAs just to get nine IPAs. Like, yeah. am I the pro? I'm the problem, right? Like, I'm the, problem. the I'm the villain here. Like, yeah, yeah. I I mean that's just it. You know, so, so sometimes it is. Sometimes you just gotta you just gotta find that thing and just dive into it and wade through a bunch of like muck at the bottom. And then that's where the pearl is. I, I don't know. Maybe it's something like Mr. That. IPA machine. <laughs> go, go. All right. So we're mad. We're, we, we, we came are clean. mad. We fessed up academic dishonesties. You yeah, in fourth grade, dishonesties. me, well, 80% of call. <laughs> I didn't try. I'll admit it. I didn't fucking try for auditions. Yeah. I thought they were all stupid. They were going to cast me anyway. I'm a shit actor. Like, but you know what, too? Mm. But you know what, too? If I can, like, die in this hill really quick because mm-hmm. I might be kind of drunk after three beers in one hour. Like, you know what? You couldn't tell me that, like, 80% of my audition pieces weren't fucking sound. 
Like, whatever. Yeah. Moving on. What else we got, Josh? I'm sorry. I, not no, the time well, or the... This ain't two uncles, well, like... I ain't trying but, to, like, fucking Uncle Rico act this, like, I could act <laughs> that fucking... I could act that fucking football over those mountains. You... If if, if director would have put me in, oh, no doubt in my mind, I could have acted this play over those mountains. Like, no. This ain't what we're here for, like... Moving well, on. Well, but on the topic, you... Unknowingly... And as often as we both do, you provided the perfect segue into the next kind of section here. Because as we read each other's minds as two wizards. Yes. As as we do. And and we are. We are gonna talk about so okay, yeah, like Obink had some like shady dealings, but but truly like fraud, fraudulent forgery stuff, making fake things, writing fake things, trying to pass them off as the real deal deal. That's that's kind of where we're headed next. And Kind of along the similar lines, um, I want to mention perhaps the most prolific uh, uh, forger of ancient documents uh, was one gentleman named Constantine Simonides, um, okay. who uh, uh, was in the 19th century, born 1820, died 1890, so ripe old age of 70 or thereabouts. Uh, and he was born... On uh, the small Greek island of Simi, he, at the age of 19, uh, went over to those uh, uh, famous monasteries on Mount Athos. Uh, men only, no no women allowed, he-man, woman-haters club, <laughs> Mount, Mount Athos. <laughs> God, man, I love it. Dear I love Sappho, <laughs> I hate you. You are scum between my toes. <laughs> I talked scum? to Zeus, and he said you totally sucked. <laughs> and so that's where he was. That is where Constantine was. Again, with all the other just monks over there. Um, and uh, it's between... Uh, and so, and so, yeah, he was there uh, between... Um, or, or on 1839, 1841, and again in 1852... Uh, where he acquired, quote-unquote, acquired some biblical manuscripts that he later sold. So these aren't papyri. These are manuscripts. These are like kind of early like books, whatever. Yeah, yeah. This is like post-classical period stuff. Right, 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 right. And so, um, and he acquired or produced or forged a lot of manuscripts that he ascribed to Hellenistic and early Byzantine periods. And he also apparently forged a number of documents and manuscripts and claimed that they were the originals of the Gospel of Mark. Again, just if there's one testament to, to, to fake, I guess it's Gospel of Mark. Um, I feel attacked at this point. Yeah, I've, I'm taking this personally. Um, and apparently <laughs> he forged some things that he tried to pass off as origi- as original manuscripts of Homer. So like Iliad okay. and Odyssey. Um, some of these he sold to the king of Greece. But they were quickly uh, exposed as forgeries. And he deuced out of there. He beast out of Greece. <laughs> And he traveled country to country throughout Europe. So, trying so to sell they these. called him out. Yep. And he's like, oh, yeah. Um, the explanation for that is in my car. <laughs> Bye, fuckers. And drove away. <laughs> yeah. He fucking music manned him. Like, yeah, no, th- this. Oh, my he God. Harold Hilled him. That's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? I, I was Harold Hill and I didn't even put that together. <laughs> <laughs> 
instead of rolling into Iowa and making a boys band, he left an all boys monastery going to is like, well, you got trouble, my friends, because you don't own a manuscript of the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> you just wait for that Wells Fargo wagon. It'll it'll be here any day now. <laughs> this bona fide certified genuine Gospel of Mark talking about the miracles of Jesus. We're talking about the 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 sharing of the fish and loaves. We're talking about the getting mad in the temple. We're talking about him defeating the Oakland Raiders three to one in the playoffs. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, after his fellow Greeks were like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, he literally <laughs> did. So he visited England um, uh, between 1853 and 1855 um, and other countries throughout Europe. Again, just trying to hawk these things. He was trying to sell these things. Um, and some of them were, were well, and, and writing other literary things, maybe not exactly trying to pass them off as forgeries, but some... Some of these were published in uh, Moscow, in Odessa, in England, and in Germany. Um, so, so were they? Were they? Were all of these fakes, or were like, was there any bit of it that could have been like, sub, or like purported to be like? Do you know what I mean? Like, were were they a thousand percent fake, or could some of this stuff have been a little bit real? From my understanding, they were a thousand percent fake. Okay, cool. Um, so he is he, so he is a dickhead. It's not like he had like he read a book and then extrapolated theories on a book right. and then traveled across the world and hustled like, or at least like yes, tried to hustle. Jesus people. died on the cross, but also Jesus learned nunchucks from Buddha <laughs> in Japan. Yeah, my my understanding is when he was at Mount Athos, kind of picked up on some like scriptorium okay here's how you yeah copy manuscripts manuscripts like learn just enough of the tools of the trade and there's like man i could instead of like living the rest of my life here in a monastery uh being poor i could do this and like sell them and be rich i that that that's the get that's the understanding that i get like he was okay um uh so like zero credibility like zero credibility and even like but then also weirdly, like maybe got some like pity purchases, like people who clearly. So knew. he's a bit of a Joseph Smith. He's a bit of like that, or a uh, um. What's oh god? What is it? What is it? Oh, I'm. That's what. Like, I want to say there is like a character who is like in a in a TV show. That like clearly goes around to, like selling obviously fake stuff, and like people buy some of it. Not thinking that it's genuine, but just to say, like, you won't believe the story of how I got that. Oh, God, what is this? Hmm. It's like they almost feel sorry for the guy or like they're they're like in. It's like, okay, yeah, this is clearly a forgery. But, yeah, I'm going to buy this this Rolex from a dude in an alley and not from like an actual store just to like tell people, Oh yeah, I, I, I bought a Rolex for $5. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that's yeah. That's that? yeah. Like, yeah, that's totally a thing. But, but yeah, but yeah. So, so um, you do the shady shit to get the credibility for the shit. Hey, yeah. I bought this weird, like papyri scroll from a mer- merchant in Mogadishu. No, you didn't. Yeah, yeah I like, totally did. It's totally legit. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Okay, it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're you're buying it for the experience or for the story, not because you think it's a genuine. It's it's like the real deal. 
Um, he he was just doing his thing. He was doing his hustle uh, from uh, 1843 until 1856. He just went around trying to sell manuscripts uh, all over Europe. Uh, um, uh, Frederick G. Kenyon says that Simonides created a considerable sensation by producing quantities of Greek manuscripts professing to be of fabulous antiquity, such as a Homer in almost in an almost prehistoric style of writing, a lost Egyptian history, a copy of St. Matthew's Gospel on Papyrus, written 15 years after the Ascension, and other portions of the New Testament dating from the first century. These productions were then exposed as forgeries. So again, like, it's... See, it's that's almost, my problem, is yeah, like, just like, this shit that was, like, written. It's just, I'm sorry, it's just fucking fan fiction for Jesus. Whatever. I, whatever. Yeah, I'm and sorry. so, well... It, I, and I can't, it's we like, can't, we can't do this one, but yeah. You, 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 and so it is, it's like... He's selling stuff that's that's too good to be true. It's like, oh, here's like a a a, a history or, or a, an an Egyptian historian that no one's ever had before. Well, I just happen to have a copy of that. And oh, here's like Homer in a weird like prehistoric form of writing. It's like, okay, yeah, pre pro- probably not. Um, did did you know that Homer watched Baywatch? And he loved it. <laughs> and so, um, and, and, and so, and, and so, yeah, in, um, in, uh, 1854 and 1855, um, Constantine Simonides tried unsuccessfully to sell some manuscripts, uh, to the British museum. One of the few th- times they didn't take. I was going <laughs> to say that's a weird, like rejection, right? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, How bad was this shit that the British Museum said, no, we don't want it? Yeah, and so uh, then a few years later in 1862, he wrote an article in The Guardian, uh, and he claimed that he was the real author of the Codex Sinaiticus. So like the, the Sinai Bible, the Sinai Codex. Okay. And he claimed to have written that in 1839. Um, <laughs> so he, so he's also like, oh no, that book, I, I, I wrote that book. That was me. Um, he, and again, he was like doing all these weird flexes. Um, he questioned many official scientific positions accepted by scholars. He interpreted Egyptian hieroglyphics uh, in a different way. He's like, no, you're reading those wrong. This is how they actually read them. Um, and, and my way's better. Uh, (laughs) and so, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I, I get the impression that not many people like really bought into his, his, his stuff or it was like pretty clearly like, okay, yeah, like pretty, this is pretty clearly a fake. But then again, it could be, it could be that maybe some people have been fooled because, um, in 2006, a papyrus book roll was exhibited at Turin, uh, which appeared to be uh, part of book two of the lost geographical descriptions of uh, Artemidorus Theseus. Then it was exhibited again in Berlin in 2008. And uh, Luciano Canfora claims that that is a Constantine Simonides forgery. And one Richard uh, Yanko also believes it's a, so, I don't know, it's kind of hard to tell. 
it's hard to tell if like people really took him seriously or just like, oh, look at this guy trying to make a buck selling us like fabulously um, like rare and extraordinary copies of yeah, like manuscripts and things. But no, like this dude, that, that was his bag. He just like would, yeah, roll into town. And again, I think the Herald Hill is a perfect, perfect example. Like once the heat got a little too hot, he just, you know, move over to Germany and see what they were up to. <laughs> Okay, but, like, truth time here, Josh. Like, mm-hmm. let's say, we, we've talked before about, like, the thought experiment of if you woke up in ancient Greece right now, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you, Josh, wake up right now in, like, 1600s England with your ability to write, like, literally just in Greek uh, text. Like, what's the over-under on how long it takes you to... Not only forge a bunch of Greek fucking texts, but then ascend to, like, the head of the, the Anglican church. Like, yeah, man. Because cause I can read Greek. Like, goddamn. Like, I'm sure it wouldn't take me that long to forge this shit. Like, I could become, I would become so, like, not evil, but I would become so evil so fucking yeah. fast. It'd make your head spin. It would make your toga fluff, Josh. Like. Yeah, That's like, how fast I'd be evil, like. <laughs> well, or, yeah, if if not evil, at least, like, a chaotic neutral. Like, I just want to... Or, yeah, yeah or to that weird... point, like, you yeah. just spread disinformation, like, oh, yes, in... Oh, no, Atlantis? No, Atlantis existed, but that was before mm. those fucking Martians came and bombed it. What do you mean, bombed it? Oh, <laughs> bombs, you guys, bombs. Do you not know about bombs? Oh, shit, bombs. you're going to get there in a couple of years. But, yeah. like, the Martians totally nuked Atlantis. Like, here, <laughs> take these pills. You'll be immune to Martian brainwaves. Like, yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, like, no, how? What's, what's the over-under on when, when you would become medieval Alex Jones? Like... <laughs> Because well, like, mine yeah. is very, very short. Like, <laughs> right now, right now, if I had any information that was, like, just privy to me, I would sell that shit on Instagram so fast just for the lulls. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Well, and, 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 yeah, like, once once I could, like, establish, like, okay, here's, here's how my basic needs are going to get taken care of. Here's, you know, I got, I know how I'm going to eat. I know where I'm going to, like, sleep at night. And kind of communicate enough with the locals to like, yeah, yeah. I'd start pulling some like, I, I guess even in some sense, yeah, like wizard, wizard shit. Be like, hey, check out this. Like, I can make a right angle triangle with uh, three pieces of wood that are four that are three feet, four feet, and five feet. Look at look at me. I'm a wizard. <laughs> yeah, like how long before you like. Uh, my name is Josh and I'm a wizard and this is my partner Mark and he's a wizard and we're going to tell you about what actually happened at Carthage like yeah and that and and then get to yeah like teleport back and see if that's in like textbooks or like <laughs> some sort of weird cuz I think that's part of it too right okay like, Yes, yeah. totally. Like, yeah, all glory to Marcus Aurelius. But did you know that the first conqueror of England was the Smurfs? Oh, praise be to you. Oh, Josh Clytus. Oh, Oracle of the... Sp- 
Because I'd lie. I'd fucking lie if I could. I would just, like, not not because I don't love, like, truth and academia and knowledge and all that good shit, but at the same time, like, oh my god, if I could go back and troll ancient peoples, you bet your sweet yeah. ass I would, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh yeah, 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 no, no. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, he was real, but you know who was more real? His brother, Kurt Russell. <laughs> oh, what did he do? Oh, he rolled into the town of Tombstone, Arizona, and he fucking cleared it out of a gang called the Cowboys. And, and really, he drove the Cowboys from Tombstone, and he's better than Jesus. Oh, and oh, then all hail Wyatt Earp Russell. Yeah. Woohoo! Like, yeah. And he was your Huckleberry. Huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what if, yeah, okay, because, yeah, that Easter tradition that we have of looking for the huckleberries. <laughs> Every kid gets a huckleberry uh, in his shoe <laughs> because of St. Of Wyatt Herb. <laughs> Papa, why do we get huckleberries in our boots? Oh, because cause our Lord and Savior, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday, drove out the devil cowboys and... Doc Holliday then loaded his pistol with huckleberry bullets. He didn't want to kill, but he wanted to make a point. And so now you have huckleberries in your shoes to make the same point that Doc Holliday did. Oh, thank you, Papa. <laughs> this is dumb. This whole thing is dumb. I'm sorry. I got no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. So, well, and, and now um, maybe this would be, I guess, the, the, the Wii music segment uh where again like these are these are practically endless but i just want to run through uh five other recent uh instances of like uh hoaxes in academia or fraudulent activity in academia um and this is and this is a wrap-up uh from the university of houston's uh big idea uh 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 page where this is uh according to Rene Cantu, uh, top five cases of misconduct in university research only within, I don't know, like the last 15 years or something like that. So these are all, these are all very recent, but we'll just kind of run through this here. So, uh, one, here's some psychology in 2011, a Dutch psychologist named, uh, Diedrich Staple committed academic fraud in a number of publications over the course of 10 years, spanning three different universities, the university, the university of, uh, Groningen, the University of Amsterdam, and Tilburg University. Among the dozens of studies in questions, most notably, he falsified data on a study which analyzed racial stereotyping and the effects of advertisements on personal identity. The journal Science published the study, which claims that one particular race stereotyped and discriminated against another race in a chaotic, messy environment versus an organized, structured one. Staple produced another story which claimed the average uh, person determined employment applications to be more competent if they had a male voice. As a result, both studies were found to be contaminated with false, manipulated data. So dude's just making shit up. Just making shit up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Psychologists discovered Staple's falsified work and reported that his work did not stand up to scrutiny. Moreover, they concluded that Staple took advantage of a loose system under which researchers were able to work in almost total secrecy and very lightly maneuver data to reach their conclusions with little fear of being contested. Uh, (laughs) Now here's my, I guess, my Dutch accent here. 
I have failed as a scientist and as a researcher. I feel ashamed for it and have great regret, lamented Staple to the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's another thing too, right? And, and again, I, I do more qualitative research. I'm not doing like hard numbers, but one of the big ones, and I don't know if this was the case specifically, but I talked about p-values and this thing called p-hacking, where okay. you get a data set, it, the conclusions don't match what you hypothesize they do, so it's basically like, well, let's keep the same numbers, but we'll just like shift how we're, we'll just like shift the lens that we're using to view them until we get the desired result. And it's like, yeah, you can't do that. You can't like claim to like be aiming at one target, have it miss, and then move the dartboard later. Like you can't, you can't do that. Be like, oh look, yeah, you can't up. like re like re remove the goalposts. Yeah, and and yeah. well, and maybe I'll so, no no I'll I'll do this right now. And I think that's another kind of problem too, right? We have this bias. Another again, like human bias here, where we value yeah like novelty and new findings and oh shit, this is ah oh, this is incredible, and we don't value as much like well I thought this would happen and I tested it and it didn't happen. But that is honestly just as valuable. That's just as valuable. Um, but we have this weird propensity to like favor positive, meaning like, oh, uh, it upheld my hypothesis. We, but we, you should be wrong. Like, yeah, to be fair, you sh- or, or, or exactly. clear, you should like, oh God, like if that's your point, if mm-hmm. you decide that you want to be like in academia or whatever, or like a research or whatever, like, you need to be able to admit when you're wrong because being wrong is as important as being right. I believe like, God damn. Exactly. Like. exactly. And, and, and I wish, and, and maybe this will, we can, we'll return to this at the end, like things to do that things yeah. to like help curtail or prevent academic fraud is yeah. Like just owning and they're not even mistakes. They're not even mistakes. It's just owning like, yeah, I thought this thing was going to happen, um, but it didn't. And that's okay. And we need to like normalize and like encourage that kind of approach too. Um, but but mm-hmm. okay, so so here's here's a few more. So that was that was uh, and I mentioned this is across all sorts of disciplines. This one also hurts my heart, but this is Duke University cancer research fraud. In 2010, Dr. Oh. Anil Patti left Duke University after allegations of research fraud surfaced. Uh, first, Dr. Potty flagrantly lied about being a Rhodes Scholar to attain hundreds of thousands of dollars in grant money from the American Cancer Society. So dude just... Good Lord. Yeah, made up about that. Then Dr. Potty was caught outright falsifying data in his research after he discovered one of his theories for personalized cancer treatment was disproven. Just what we were talking about. Mm. Um, this theory was intended to justify clinical trials for over 100 patients. Because it was disproven the trials could no longer take place, Dr. Potty falsified data in order to continue with these trials and attain further funding. Over a dozen papers that he published were attracted from various medical journals, including the New England Journal of Medicine. Okay, so it's, you know, it's one thing if you're talking about fossils, you're talking about papyrus, you're talking about, yeah, like kind of like psychological effects. Um, If you're dealing with people who have cancer and you're fucking around with them, like oh my god it's it, it's that's horrible that's horrible that 
and 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 that's why and, and I think I misspoke. I think I said internal review board, but it's institutional review board. That's why there is that process. There's a whole like organization within universities. Like, okay, if you if your research includes human subjects or human participants, um, like the three oh, what was this? I just had to like take a video test on this. There's like three main outlines about like human research. Like you have to have one is informed consent. You have to be upfront with what you're testing. You have to weigh, you, you have to structure your research so that the benefits outweigh the risks. It's okay to have some risk. You, you don't have to have zero risk, but like the, the general benefits have to outweigh that. So it's like, okay, uh, here's, you know, for this subject, we're, we're going to have you watch some like video footage of, I don't know, like graphic violence, but at the end, here's like somebody that you can talk to and like process if that messed with you. And then here's like a hundred bucks, you know? So like, that's where, so you have to like kind of weigh that there's more benefits than risks. And then the last one is it's equitable, uh, like pools of participants. You have to like have like an equitable, yeah. Kind of like, like, yeah. Yeah. Like pool of, uh, human subjects, human participants kind of thing. Um, and, and it's, and it's for stuff like that too. Right. Like, I'm 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 positive that these people and their families, um, yeah, the people who had cancer weren't like kept on the up and up with this goddamn son of a bitch. Um, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, this one's not quite as interesting, but it's still valuable. Um, plagiarism in Kansas, worst uh, metal band ever. <laughs> Nickelback. Hello, Cleveland. We're plagiarism in Kansas. Are you ready to rock? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Mahesh Visvanathan and Gerald Lushington, two computer scientists. So here you go. Computer science from the University okay. of Kansas confessed to accusations of plagiarism. They copied large chunks of their research from the works of other scientists in their field. The plagiarism was so ubiquitous that even the summary statement of the presentation was lifted from another scientist's article in a renowned journal. So these these are just oh, like fuck. copied, just like copied. And uh, this is, unfortunately, yes, as a teacher, I've had to deal with plagiarism uh, for my students. Did you ever, I, I forget when you were student, te- when, when you were student teaching, did you ever any like clearly obvious plagiarism? Yeah, so, remember we did that deal for Romeo and Juliet and like, that's right. I copied that shit off the internet and then somebody copied the same shit. And I was like embarrassed to me just like, cause Josh, I, I look, I That's faked right. this one and they clearly faked this one too. Like double hard. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I remember, I, th- I think this was a year or two. There was that one deal talking about, um, the fall in the house of Usher. And one of the final questions, every single junior answered, he talked to the Arthur or the Knight of King Arthur. And I'm like, King Arthur was not in fucking the fall of the house of Usher. <laughs> you guys are idiots. Fuck every one of you. Yeah. I had a really bad one again at the high school. We were, so it was at the end of the year, everybody's burnt out. All the state testing was done. Like everyone just checked out. And that's when we did our science fiction unit with the juniors. That's like, cool. Let's, let's read some Ray Bradbury. Let's read some Lovecraft. And then just like write a little shi- uh, 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 science fiction short story. And that's it. And now it's May and it's summertime. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, th- I think this was a couple years after your, your student teaching. There was a girl like, oh, oh, okay, class, it's time to go to the computer lab and have you type up your final drafts. And this girl printed and turned this thing in in like 10 minutes. And I gave them like, okay, and I gave them like a list of things that they kind of had to incorporate in their story. None of them were there. I Googled the first sentence. I just copy pasted the first sentence. And it was on, yeah, like reddit.com r slash like science fiction prompts. And so she just like found something on Reddit. So I called her over. I was like, okay, are you sure this is what you want to turn in? Are you sure this is the final draft you want to turn in? It's like, yeah, Mr. Streeter, I do. Yeah. It's like, okay, it's weird because this looks exactly like this short story on Reddit. And I turned my laptop around and showed showed it to her. She's like, oh, well... Maybe I want to turn something else in. I was like, yeah, I, I think you do. I really think you do. <laughs> Just a couple more here. Um, uh, Columbia University Research Misconduct. The year was 2010. Uh, Bengu Senzen was finally caught falsifying data after 10 years of continuously committing fraud. Her fraudulent oh activity... Her fraudulent activity was so blatant that she even made up fake people and organizations in an effort to support her research results. Much like a fourth grade Josh made up fake books for his <laughs> history fair paper. <laughs> Sinzin was found guilty of committing over 20 acts of research mis- misconduct with about 10 research papers recalled for redaction due to plagiarism and outright fabrication. Sinzin's doctoral How many 20 thesis, papers recalled? Uh, well, uh, she, she had 20 individual instances and 10 papers recalled oh 10 10 papers still whatever 10 god damn 10 and like that's impressive senzen's doctoral thesis her dissertation was fabricated entirely in order to produce her desired results oh my god addition and this is what i'm what i kind of mentioned too additionally her misconduct greatly affected the careers of other young scientists who worked with her so that's just oh it, right? Like, if, if you get a if you get a faculty position and you're um, advising upcoming grad students, yeah, then they're fucked. Um, yeah, the, these scientists see did, that's fucked up. It's whatever. Lie up. about your own dumb bullshit, but like, don't fuck don't fuck people's futures up. That's yeah, wrong. Exactly. Oh, and so man. these these scientists dedicated a large portion of their graduate careers trying to reproduce Senzen's desired results. Columbia University moved to retract her PhD in chemistry. They were going to yoink her PhD, and rightly so. Good. However, Sinzen fled the country during her investigation. <laughs> so she Roman polanski did. She You're Roman just guilty. Polanski'd. Fuck you. Yeah, she Roman polanski Oh, that pisses me off. Yeah, and so, so again, right? Like we talked about psychology, cancer, computer science, chemistry... It's not just like, oh, here's the like artsy stuff that we can like get away. No, like even the quote unquote hard sciences are not immune to academic misconduct, academic frauds. Uh, and then the last one at Penn State in 2012, Craig Grimes ripped off the U.S. government to the tune of three million dollars. He pled guilty to wire fraud, money laundering and engaging in fraudulent statements to uh, attain grant money. He bamboozled the National Institute of Health and the National Science Foundation into granting him $1.2 million for research on gases in blood, which helped detect disorders in infants. Sadly, it was revealed by the attorney by the attorney's office that Grimes never carried out his research and instead used the majority of his granted funds for personal expenditures. If you're if you okay, 
if you're ripping off a government for dumb bullshit research, doesn't matter. Like you get, because you know what, quite frankly, that's no different than like the fucking, like we, 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 especially lately with all the shit going on in Russia mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, this, this trillion dollar Russian warplane failed. Like how many things has the U S government military or, or the U S military backed that is like farted and fell. And if you can like defraud them for some of that money, fine. Right, yeah. Dude, it's fine. Get, go like get your fucking 10. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's all right. Like nobody, you go lie to them. Cause like, God, damn, like, uh, yeah, if you, if you can, if you can, then yes, you fucking should in that case. But yeah. Well, and but so, again, but again, I've talked before about how like I would send in final papers to my professors due at midnight on you know whatever night, and I would email it at like seven forty five p.m. as like a wave file. Yeah, and they would be like, "Hey, this didn't work. Oh, that's <laughs> fucked up. I'm super sorry." And like that, even like a six hour window to finish my paper. Yeah. So yeah, no, like, man, you, I turned something oh, in. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna lie, lie but do it effectively. Well, and, and if you can get paid to lie, then you can become Dr. Phil. And that's not <laughs> yeah. a good thing, but, but as but long something. as you sound credible, well then bilk those sons of bitches, I guess. I don't well, know. And, and, and I guess this guy needed a little more work because uh, he, he also falsified information that helped him attain $1.9 million in grant money uh, through the American recovery and reinvestment act. How much Josh? Uh, $1.9 million. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Okay, cool. Okay, uh, yeah. Con- consequently, a federal judge... Okay, and, and here we go. He was he was caught. You ready to hear the consequences that he had to face? I am. A federal judge ruled that Grimes spend 41 months in prison. That's l- less, less than three and a half years. Does it say what prison he went to? I'm guessing a federal prison, so club fed. That would be well, my sure, guess. but like, what level? Like blue collar, white collar, like probably white collar. Yeah, yeah. That's like white collar. Was he in like, or was he in like fucking like the Jeffrey Epstein prison, where like there was so little security that somebody could murder the fucker? Like, I, that's a good question. Mm. And then, as mm. far as his, he wasn't like palling around with Joe Arpaio, I assume, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, and, and then, as far as his restitution. So yeah, he like uh, uh, conned more than three million dollars from the federal government, and and uh, uh, he had to pay back six hundred sixty thousand. So one fifth. So hail Satan, six hundred sixty thousand. <laughs> yes, this is to to and Penn 66 State six cents. Yeah, I can to, assume. to 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 Penn State, the NIH, and the uh, NSF. Oh, to Penn State. Where fucking um, uh, yeah. Joe Paterno fucking yeah. molested all his childrens. No, no, no. Give yeah, them too. more. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm that too. So, so it is. So I'm drunk, Josh. I'm sorry. I'm drunk. No, no, it's okay. I blame. I blame IPA. <laughs> Mark down twelve packs. Blame it on the. Okay. Blame it on the IPAs. Well, okay, but but also to your point, and I think this is kind of where we're headed too, right? Like, yes, yes. these institutions both like universities as well as like federal government kind of programs, they should have some sort of integrity. They should have some sort of things like, but then a lot of times too, some, as in the case with those frauds, right? 
for for more than 10 years, a couple of them, for like a decade, this was going on until they were finally caught. And so it seems like sometimes... Oh my God, a decade. And it seems like sometimes, you know, because that's just it too, right? Like there is all this, not only are there incentives for the person to commit fraud, but then there's also incentives for people to just, you know, okay, whatever, publish this thing. I'm the editor of this journal and I got to... I, I got to make sure the next issue gets out. I'm organizing this conference. I'm well, whatever. And so maybe some of those standards slip as well. And I mentioned this at the beginning that sometimes um, uh, uh, into the town of academia rode a stranger one fine day. And he wore a gray hat and he had something to say. Oh, he gave us here a paper and we published it along. But little did we know that he made it completely wrong. Made it completely wrong. And so, yes, these are the gray hat. So, yes, and so occasionally there are. There are individuals, sometimes they're within academia, sometimes they're they're outside of it, who do their own sort of, okay, I'm going to bullshit a thing and see how far this goes. Will this get stopped? And, and, and there's a whole, again... There's a whole bunch of these too, but I want to focus on just just a few of these. Um, okay. Perhaps the most famous um, occurred in the mid-90s by one Alan D. Sokol of the Department of Physics at New York University. Oh, boy. All right. And his, and his famous paper and the aftermath that would be called the Sokol Affair, uh, where he did. He was like... Okay, it's the mid '90s. Uh, there's all this postmodernism uh, going on, and uh, it's a lot of jargony stuff. It's written in a way that seems almost intentionally obscure and intentionally hard to understand. But like, that's where all the focus is, and everybody's going, yeah, "Postmodernism, that postmodernism, this." Uh, here's post po- postmodernism uh, up the wazoo. And so he decided to push the envelope there. And so in 1996, uh, Alan Sokol, who is a physicist, again, so like a proper physics uh, uh, scholar, uh, submitted an article to a journal called Social Text, which is an academic journal of postmodern cultural studies. Alan Sokol said that he did this to test the journal's intellectual rigor specifically to investigate whether a leading North American journal of cultural studies with, again, uh, uh, an editorial board that has people who are supposed to be good at their job to see if this journal would publish an article liberally salted with nonsense. If A, (laughs) it sounded good. Liberally salted. Yes, I love that. I love that phrase. Um, uh, to see if, if it could be published, if A, it sounded good, and B, it flattered the editor's ideological preconceptions. And so he did. He's like, can I write something that is gibberish if it kind of sounds good and if it sort of like caters um, to the editor's like ideological outlooks? And so he wrote and submitted Transgressing the Boundaries towards a transformative hermeneutics of quantum gravity. And it was published in the journal's spring-summer 1996 issue, Science Wars. If there is an argument that could be 
um, distilled from this um, liberally salted with nonsense <laughs> article. It, it proposed that quantum gravity is a social and, linguist, and linguistic construct. Okay. What does that mean? I have to ask a postmodernist. Um, <laughs> but um, I, don't, I don't even know what that is. I'm like, wait, okay, what is a what? Okay. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And so that's what he did. So that's what he did. He, he wrote this entire paper. And it is, um, oh, I just have it here. Hold on. Oh, no, wait, that's it. Okay, here we go. Um, including footnotes, it is 43 pages long. Um, cites all the, like, popular names at the time. Very clearly, um, like, equivocates on words. Like, it uses the same word, but in, like, two different meanings. Okay. And yeah, it got published and it was fine. <laughs> hmm. And so here's 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 maybe a little. Here's um one here's here's just like a snippet. Here here's a snippet of um uh transgressing the boundaries towards a transformative okay. hermeneutics of quantum gravity. There are many natural scientists, and especially physicists, who continue to reject the notion that the disciplines concerned with social and cultural criticism can have anything to do can have anything to contribute, except perhaps peripherally, to their research. Still less are they receptive to the idea that the very foundations of their worldview must be revisited or rebuilt in the light of such criticism. Rather, they cling to the dogma imposed by the long post-Enlightenment hegemony over the Western intellectual outlook, which can be summarized briefly as follows that there exists an external world whose properties are independent of any individual human being and indeed of humanity as a whole, that these, pro pro that, that these properties are encoded in quote-unquote eternal physical laws, and that human beings can obtain reliable, albeit imperfect and tentative, knowledge of these laws by hewing to the quote-unquote objective procedures and, ep and, ep and epistemological stru uh, strictures prescribed by the so-called scientific method. And yeah, like that paragraph. Okay, yeah. No, I got you. I got you. Good enough. But deep conceptual shifts within 20th century science have undermined this Cartesian Newtonian metaphysics. Revisionist studies in the history and philosophy of science have cast further doubt on its credibility. And most recently, feminist and post-structuralist critiques have demystified the substantive content of mainstream Western scientific practice, revealing the ideology of domination concealed behind the facade of quote-unquote objectivity. It has thus become increasingly apparent that physical, quote, reality, no less than social, quote, reality, is at bottom a social and linguistic construct. That scientific, quote, unquote, knowledge, far from being objective, reflects and encodes the dominant ideologies and power relations of the culture that produced it. That the truth claims of science are inherently theory-laden and self-referential. And consequently, that the discourse of the scientific community, for all its undeniable value, cannot assert a privileged epistemological status with respect to counter-hegemonic narratives emanating from dissident or marginalized communities. These themes can be traced, despite some differences of emphasis, in Arinovitz's er in analysis of the cultural fabric that produced quantum mechanics. In Ross's discussion of oppositional discourses in post-quantum science, in Irrigores and Hale's exegesis of gender encoding and fluid mechanics, 
and in Harding's comprehensive critique of the gender ideology underlying the natural sciences in general and physics in particular. Okay. I can I can kind of trace that. I can kind of sort of trace that. Here real my broad. aim. It's real, real broad. And it is. It's real. It's it's not really saying much, but it seems like it's saying much. There's big multisyllabic words like um, epistemological, which just means like how do we know things, like the way that we think we know things. Yeah. Um, Post hegemony, all, all that sort of stuff. That's that's a, that's a Gramscian idea, um, and so. Here, my aim is to carry these deep analyses one step farther. By taking account of recent developments in quantum gravity, the emerging branch of, branch of physics in which Heisenberg's quantum mechanics and Einstein's general relativity, general relativity are once synthesized and superseded. In quantum gravity, okay. as we shall see, the space-time manifold ceases to exist as an objective physical reality. Geometry becomes relational and contextual, and the foundational conceptual categories of prior science among them existence itself, become problematized and relativized. This conceptual revolution, I will argue, has profound implications for the context of a future postmodern and liberatory science. And... Okay, that's his, like, introduction. All right? Fair enough. Sure. Okay, but, like, let's throw, let's throw like, big words in. Let's mm-hmm. throw big terms in. Mm-hmm. It, it, so it's like that's like the like abstract that's like the introduction that's the summary of like okay here's what the rest of the paper is going to be about um but th- then like yeah like the actual bulk of the paper is just is just ridiculous so here i've like skipped a few pages down um here's here's just one paragraph for instance okay or maybe like one and a half okay. of a fourth aspect of postmodern science is its self-conscious stress on symbolism and representation. As Robert Markley points out, the postmodern sciences are increasingly transgressing disciplinary boundaries, taking on characteristics that had heretofore been the providence of the humanities. Qu- quantum physics, hadron bootstrap theory, complex number theory, and chaos theory share the basic assumption that reality cannot be measured in linear terms, that nonlinear and unsolvable Equations are the only means possible to describe a complex, chaotic, and non-deterministic reality. These postmodern theories are, significantly, all metacritical in the sense that they foreground themselves as metaphors rather than as quote-unquote accurate descriptions of reality. In terms that are more familiar to literary theorists than to theoretical uh, physicists, we might say that these attempts by scientists to develop new strategies of description represent notes towards a theory of theories of how representation, mathematical, experimental, and verbal, is inherently complex and problematizing. Not a solution, but a part of the semiotics of investigating the universe. Okay. And that, again, it's like not really saying anything. It's not... No, but it's not. Like, I am a reasonably intelligent person, and I cannot fucking make heads or tails of whatever it is you just read to me. Like... Yeah, and mm. it, and it is. It it's you can kind of sort of like okay, well, I I've heard about chaos theory, but it but then it doesn't fall like nothing nothing out out of that follows. Um, right, like but but like you're not you're not misunderstanding chaos theory. You're misquoting chaos theory because you're a dickhead. Like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here's here's another one. 
and and, and here's where he's so like that that was the first part right like if it sounds good enough okay that sounds good enough and then the second part was like if it uh flattered the editorial board's ideological kind of claims or ideas so here's another one just a little further down on the one hand Politically progressive scientists can try to recuperate existing practices for moral values they uphold, arguing that their right-wing enemies are defacing nature and that they, the counter-movement, have access to the truth. But the state of the biosphere, air pollution, water pollution, disappearing rainforests, thousands of species on the verge of extinction, large areas of lands burdened far beyond their, their carrying capacity, nuclear power plants, nuclear weapons, clear cuts where there used to be forests, starvation, malnutrition, disappearing wetlands, non-existent grasslands, and a rash of environmentally caused diseases suggests that the realist dream of scientific progress, of recapturing rather than revolutionizing existing methodologies and technologies, is, at worst, irrelevant to a political struggle that seeks something more than a reenactment of state socialism. (laughs) And so the person, if they even are giving it this deep of a reading, it's like, well, wait a second. So that's the point, is like, Communism is bad. No, no, it, it it's it's the opposite. It's like, well, wait, I don't, I don't want to be right wing. I don't like deforestation and starvation. Uh, I guess I'm agree with this guy. So it, it's like the opposite. Well, okay, it's, so he's he's trying to like red pill him into environmentalism. Then I, the kind kind of. Sorry, this one kind of hurts me, Josh. Like, and that's the point. The point is, okay. like, yeah, it's it, it's so dumb. I shouldn't, no. I shouldn't like understand what like homeboy is saying. I should Correct. just be like, oh, I'm a bad guy. Okay, yeah, good. It, but okay, but that but good, that's good, what good. this that's how he's writing this paper. He's writing this paper where like there's just enough things to recognize. Like, wait a sec, right wing? I'm not right wing. Uh, okay, yeah, that makes that makes so it's it's this weird sort of incomprehensible, doesn't make sense. Seems kind of impressive because he's dropping all these like theorists and uh, um, uh, phrases and things, but just but but and also like, well, hey, left wing editorial board, us us Democrats got to stick together, right? So that so it's all of that combined, oh, and God. yeah, and it got and it got published. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode shouldn't be like. Uh, hoaxes in academia it should be oh no it got published yeah maybe that's a good maybe that's another good way to um sort of sort of consider it too and so and so yes listeners this is freely available online if you if you go to your search engine of choice and if you look up Sokol Affair I mean, I mean it's it, it's on the Wikipedia page if you look up Sokol Affair if you google transgressing the boundaries you'll find this paper you can read it or try to read it for yourself uh, yeah, and it's not supposed to make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. Okay, and, and also, remember too, right? This whole, the title was supposed to be talking about quantum gravity. Everything that I've read had nothing to do with quantum gravity. So, so yeah. Um, so, what did it say? N- n- nothing. It's it's just nothing. It's just a lot of buzzwords. Okay, cool. It, yeah, okay, it's, cool. it's just a lot of buzzwords. And so, yes, this thing gets published. Um, and how long... It, it it was a little it was a little while after it was published. Alan Sokol came out and said, 
yes, I faked this paper. I didn't do any research. I just wrote a bunch of buzzwords. And shame on this journal. Shame on people who, yeah, like accept this as like scholarship. Um, and we got to do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you could imagine, there were some people who were kind of like, yeah, Alan Sokol, you did the right thing. There were some people who were like, boo, Alan Sokol, you did the wrong thing. There were some people saying like, boo, the journal, you did the wrong thing. Other people, no, no, the journal didn't know. It's just trying to like it. So it didn't really like clear anything up. It's not like it was a big, like, oh, yeah, now there's no more academic fraud. Because clearly that didn't ha- this this event happened in '96, and I just listed like five people still doing academic fraud, and so yes, so yeah, like the Sokol affair was was one of the big ones. It was one of the first kind of big, well known. Um, hey, if I just write smart, kind of sounding stuff, uh, odds are good that it'll get published. So, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's a wrong message, jo- no. You yeah. can't tell the kids that, Josh. Come no, on, but man. that's what Come I'm on. saying. That's what I'm saying is it's like, um, yeah. And so that's that's another that's another one. So, oh god, I, <laughs> yeah, man, Josh, it's just, you're making my head spin. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the one who did all this research and like read this thing, and my head is yeah still spinning. <laughs> Goddamn, Alan Sokol being like, all right, postmodern nerds, I'm gonna give you a taste of your own medicine, but. It's just a prank, bro. <laughs> He's the hero that we all need. I almost am sure. I'm, I can't tell. Yeah. Well, and and, and it is, and, and and truly, right? Like th- that. What he was trying to do was, yeah, show how broken things were. Like if 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 this thing passes muster, um, and 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 sure, I, I mean, all here here's all the like nerds pushing their glasses up on their face, like, oh well, actually, if you wanted to do this, you should have done blah blah blah. Uh, but but you're not helping either, nerds. <laughs> we, or we, they're jealous because they didn't think of it first. This dude, yeah, very right. very easily, not easily, but like effectively, kind of like showed a massive like flaw in the what would you call it the academic armor? I don't know if that's yeah, but right, you know what yeah. I mean, like. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. This whole this whole kind of uh, uh, construction, this whole system that we establish as the university, as academia, where we're generating knowledge, we're asking questions, we're we're finding things out, we're teaching students and like larger um, entities. Uh, yeah. It 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 undermines that whole thing and. I mean, not to get too real here at the end of like a two-hour episode. Like, uh, no wonder people are screaming each other about wearing masks, or um, uh, so. So yeah, or, or like, oh well, the the vaccine uh, made me poop blood. It's like ah, but but all of our like institutions have had have have had a lot of trust lost. And it's because it's not because of Alan Sokol. He's pointing out to the problem. He's pointing out like, look, we're getting caught up in this. Oh, yeah. You have to publish or perish. Um, oh, you have to like it's a rat race to get funding. Uh, they're, they're, people's egos get get inflated. And so they have to or 
or they like you were mentioning too right like they plant fake fossils for one of their rivals to find so that their rival's career gets ruined so yeah it's right. a, but yeah but I, I i know you were kind of getting i mean you were getting super fired up i'm getting super fired up and i think probably for 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 both our sakes and for our listeners sake we should probably <laughs> should probably call it here before we both uh have aneurysms are, um, are you suggesting a surprise two-parter there, Josh? You know, may maybe. Maybe because, cause, yeah, I still have, like, pages and pages of notes. Uh, oh, hell yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, so I think I, I wasn't anticipating needing a two-parter here, but I think we do. And hopefully one that's, yeah, maybe a little more optimistic. It's not about, <laughs> it's not about, yeah, the greed and seduction and the, the, uh, Doctor Faustus, you've 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 earned all you've 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 discovered all this knowledge in the world, and what are you doing with it? You're making fake fossils, or you're trying to defraud <laughs> these museums and things. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think we need to take a take a week, come up with some yeah maybe like some some uh, benevolent hoaxers, some some. Ones who are kind of in the spirit of Alan Sokol, they're 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 tricking people, but they're doing it for good. It's yeah. the uh, it's the oh hey, some guy comes running up to you and you're kind of freaked out. Your fight or flight mode engages, but then he gives you like a crisp hundred dollar bill, and it's like oh well, this is a lovely surprise. Wow, I thought you know here I am thinking I was going to have to fight somebody, but no, you just gave me cold hard cash. <laughs> That's only ever happened to me in Skyrim, and then I sell the thief out, and then the guards kill him. But yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah, well, yeah, so he went that way. Yeah, right, right. Um, so 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 yes, I think out of all this negativity uh, and truly like hurt, because that's what we two wizards are. We two wizards, we are guardians and generators of knowledge, and to see people. Yeah, just uh, uh, so so blatantly uh, messing with our business. Yeah, no wonder we get fired up and like frothing at the mouth. <laughs> Seeing people abandon reason for madness. Mm-hmm. To quote exactly. a very good wizard named Gandalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that is <laughs> that is it. That is it. So 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 okay. So listeners, um, I mean, hopefully. You haven't had any of these experiences with academic frauds or hoaxes or forgeries. But if you do, boy, howdy, would we love to hear from you. If you, much like, yeah, me in fourth grade, I I made up like five different books to write this crappy paper. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Statute of Limitations has expired for a lot of this stuff. And... <laughs> Yeah, if it's if if it's whatever, you know, we would we we would love to hear about it. Or did you see some of these things? If you're like, oh no, my professor brought this thing up in class, as an example, uh, but then five years later, turns out that example was a hoax. We would just love to hear from you, no matter what it is, or even just something, even if it's just a little pick us up, because. Yeah, My Mark grandfather both... dug up a fake a fakeosaurus rex and presented it to the <laughs> Nebraska Museum. You let us know. We want to know. <laughs> We would love to know. And you can do that a few different ways. You can send an email to twowizardspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter at twowizardspodc1. Uh, uh, we're also on Instagram, twowizardspodcast. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I specifically, Josh, am on Twitter at Plaid Barbarian. Uh, and Mark, what are some of the what are not only people how people can find you, but what are some other things going on in 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 your universe that you want to uh, share with us? Yeah. Um. If you wanted to find me, Mark the Wizard, you could do that by going to uh, Marky Stardust on Twitter. I'm on Great Greek Buffalo on Instagram, but I don't really mess with that too much. But yeah. but but maybe if these listeners sat here for two hours and listened to me just get like mad and inaudible in my like grumblings <laughs> and you decide this guy's kind of funny i want to see him get mad about something else oh baby i just happen to have the thing for you it's a little thing called the dangle podcast it's a weekly <laughs> king of the hill podcast where me and my buddy johnny take two episodes of king of the hill and we discuss them and we're re-watching it uh this week i think we're doing um we're covering the uh hillenium episode the one that aired um... right before we left 1999 in that vaunted, revolted glory days of 99 and then ran screaming into the new millennium. And I wish like hell I could run screaming back. But then I watched the episode and learned, no, you can't do that. You got it. Right. You, you, you can only move forward. So, yeah, yeah, come check us out over there. Yeah, absolutely. And and yes, I, I think I, I think that's also a good sort of like tie in. Right. Like the. I don't know if it's always the march of progress moves apace, but definitely time moves apace. And yeah, the best we can do is sort of pick up the pieces and say, wait a sec, these these papyri are from the same source. <laughs> and, <laughs> and interrogate each other and ask questions and be skeptical and do the whole peer review thing. And uh, no, Listeners, okay, no, do Josh, you have can't. gigantic brass balls? And you just lie to the entire academic community. <laughs> Let us know too. Let me shake your hand. I want to know. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> Josh yeah, if... invented multiple sources in fourth grade. I, on the fly, a ton of monologues all through college. What have you done? Let us know how evil <laughs> you were when it comes to academic dishonesty or paleontological dishonesty. Like, we want to know, man. Yeah, yeah, and we won't hold that against you. In in fact, we will start up the Two Wizards Journal, where you can get published. You can share your research with the world for reasonable fees. Um, you can absolutely uh, uh, twenty orbs will get you published. So <laughs> give us give us your orbs. <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, my name is Josh, and I'm a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I am a wizard. Thank you for listening. We love you all, everyone. Take care, everyone. Good night. He rolled upon his back, and after that, I killed